welcome to the Walker Mall in My Shoes podcast. I'm your host, Chris Young, and I'll be chatting with all kinds of folk, highlighting the experiences of people with mental health problems, many of whom feel on the edge of society, as I walk around the edge of the UK over the next couple of years. Following the steps of a hero of mine, Satish Kumar, a Jain monk who went on a peace march in the 1960s, I'll be taking no money with me. His guru felt, if he did, he'd lack the motivation to speak with people at the end of the day, and that the only people he would meet would be hoteliers. I thought if this amazing man could walk from India into Pakistan, expect and receive wonderful hospitality when the two countries were at war, then I should expect nothing less from the people on this beautiful island of ours. So far, I've walked the 4,000 or so miles anti-clockwise from Edinburgh to North Wales, and the people I've met, without exception, have been fabulous. Ah, I nearly forgot to mention, I have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, a severe and enduring mental health problem which, although it curtails me, doesn't define me. But this isn't a story about me, this is all about those fabulous people I'll be meeting as I go. I'm inviting you to be part of the story. We're told we've become a more divided nation in recent years, and I'm here to prove that wrong. Join me. I'd love to hear and share your story. Help me on my journey as we challenge mental health stigma one conversation at a time. You can call me on 07535035909. That's 07535035909. Or email me at hello at letswalkamile.org. Or you can follow me on Twitter at walkamileuk. In this episode, I speak with Holly, who ably guides us through her mental health journey. I'm sure her story of inconsistent services and variable diagnoses will resonate with many of you. And uh, in this episode, I'm speaking with the lovely Holly. Hi, Holly. Hello. <laughs> Who are you? Um, my name's Holly. I'm, um, I'm, oh. How do you what, know me? What a great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> just trying to figure that out. Um, uh, I am, well, your wife, Ella. It's like my godmother. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, that was uh, neat. That is neat and succinct. <laughs> summed it up. Yes. yes. Yeah. And... You're here to talk a bit about your mental health, specifically the wonderful world of borderline personality disorder. What a world it is. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give me a bit of a sort of history about your your mental health? I have um, a sort of vaguely interesting long history with my mental health. I'm 25, but I've had, I've been sort of in a system of one kind or another um, since I was about nine or ten. Right. Um, part of the reason for that is that um, when I was five years old, my family moved to um, to the States. So I grew up in Georgia for a good chunk of my childhood. And obviously Americans have a very, very different attitude to mental health and to what they are and aren't happy to diagnose quite strongly at a very young age. So, so when um, you say different at- attitude, what, what, what do you mean by that? Are they more open, do you think? Or? Yeah, they're pretty trigger happy with, okay. um, with diagnoses. And um, they're also... <clears throat> I guess partially because of it's more of an industry over there because they don't have the NHS, so they're really happy to say you have this and you will be medicated. You know, I hadn't and... even considered that it was an industry. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah. No. Totally. But yeah, like, I yeah. think that, that that explains why so many more people in yes. the US are medicated, even more so than over here. And um, so basically, when I was, um, I mean, I think I saw my first psychiatrist or child psychiatrist when I was about five years old, and I 
think I was diagnosed at some point with ADD or ADHD right. when I was a very young age. I tried different medications throughout the years that I lived in America. And then when I was about nine or ten, I was diagnosed with childhood bipolar, which is such a ridiculous thing that it doesn't even exist in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I was about ten, I was put on <clears throat> adult bipolar medication, something called Abilify, which a lot of people in the States are on. Yes, yeah, I was saying to you earlier that yeah. it seems to be quite a popular medication yeah. in the States. Yeah, it's quite a strong antipsychotic, <clears throat> and it's also an adult bipolar medication. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was on that about age 10, maybe 9 or 10, which I was saying to you earlier, I do just refer to as the lost year, because I don't, <laughs> just, don't think I felt a single emotion that just year. Just vanished. <laughs> in some ways it was heavenly. But um, yeah, so that, um, but I was always just sort of a... Like, difficult child with massive air quotes. Is, is, that, is that why you were taken to a psychiatrist? Because you were seen as difficult, different? Yeah, I definitely acted out a lot. But I think, I mean, had we been living in the UK, it probably would have seen as like, an, would have been seen as a normal amount mm. of sort of childish rebellion. And I was yeah. always quite spirited and um, always, I mean, I did like attention. Who doesn't? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think... Um, just because, I mean, it probably sort of coincided with my parents divorcing and splitting up and right, having this move right. to another country as well around that time. And well, the move happened first, the divorce later. But I right. think I, as a lot of children do, acted out and I acted out in particularly sort of colourful and dramatic ways. So, um, what, when you were five or ten? Or... I think, well, I definitely, I think the reason I was taken to um, a psychiatrist when I was five, it was on the recommendation of my school. Because they said, oh, Holly doesn't sit still in class and she can't pay attention. Gosh. Which was true. But, um, I mean... In the I wonder evening, how, how many five-year-olds can't sit still well, in exactly. class. Well, yeah. exactly. Um, I was also, when we lived in America, I was a year younger than everyone else in my school. Oh, right. In, right. I was put ahead a year because of the like, just different paces yeah, at which you yeah. learn things in the UK compared to an, an American primary school. So... Um, I guess also because I was that bit younger than everyone else, I must have just seemed that much more of a child and compared to the other very adult five-year-olds. So, <laughs> yeah. For being a child, you were pathologised. Yeah, of course. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think I did also. I just, I liked showing off a bit, I think. I was yeah, a performer, yeah. so I did sort of, you know, play off a bit. I remember sort of showing off and being told off a lot for it. Okay, so um, you, you were given Abilify. Yeah. <coughs> Lost a year. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? Um, I don't remember if I decided to stop taking it or if it was to do with us moving back to the UK. I can't... I, I like to think I just put my foot down at one point because I know I didn't like being on mm. it. But I don't... I can't really remember. I mean, obviously, I can't remember that year. No, so I no. can't really remember how much control I had over that no. situation. But definitely, when by the time we moved back to the UK when I was 11, I'd stopped taking it. Um, and then... What was really difficult then is that I'd already been given this diagnosis of childhood bipolar, so I yeah. believed myself to have it. Right. And then also, I think from the very first time I went to a psychiatrist when I was about five, I really believed there was something wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. So that became a theme, especially going through my teens and stuff, of just being like, oh, well, I must be the problem. There must be something wrong with me. And then when you're back in the UK, who are far more hesitant to... Um, yes. ...to diagnose anything. But everybody around you, did they buy into that you were the problem sort of scenario? Yeah, I think our family were going through some difficult times. I think it was really right. easy in certain situations to sort of point the finger at me, especially when you're already struggling with something. It's really sure, convenient sure. to have a scapegoat and be like, yeah. oh, well, Holly is really upset a lot of the time. She's really difficult. She doesn't behave very well. Um, maybe she's the problem. Yes, yeah. 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 So um, was, was there much space to talk about it when you were, you were growing up? Um, not massively. 
Not in our family, but I think... Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so, in, in short, <laughs> we, we didn't talk about these things. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it depends. Like, I, you know, my parents are vastly different ways of dealing with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the one hand, I was being told, like, don't talk about your feelings. People don't want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also, that's not just within, within my family at times. I think being a young woman, a lot of us are really pressured into just presenting a really sort of palatable aspect of our Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. You can be a bit emotional. Yeah. But, but not, not, not too emotional. Yeah. You, like, please keep it all in, like, a very neat box. Yeah. That's what we want from you, and that's how we like to receive you. Because otherwise you start getting labels like drama queen. And, exactly. Yeah. Oh, a label I know so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Okay. So, um, this went on for some time. You, you say you've been in and out of the system. Mm. So when you got back, when, when did you finally find yourself back in the system? Um, I think from when I definitely consistently played up a lot, hated going to school. Right. Um, I think I repeatedly asked for therapy and like tried to get back into it. They definitely agreed I needed some sort of counselling. Right. But there's very, very little out there. For young people with complex mental health problems. So was that through the GP or through your school um, or a bit of both? or A bit of both. Um, yeah. Repeatedly went back to the GP who couldn't really refer me to anything. The best they could do. I think I had a, a few times I went through like CAMS and PCAMS and had like a few sessions yeah. of, um, of like teen counselling. But it was very much like, hey, not feeling so groovy today. <laughs> Why didn't you do your homework? Like, and I had someone who came to see me at school and he was like, I feel like I'm not really equipped for this. And I was like, yeah, you don't seem like you are. <laughs> like, I think I was like 15 at this point. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Yeah, maybe go and get a qualification, <laughs> yeah. come back and we'll, we'll have I mean, another go at this. I think the second I would like, he was, <clears> I remember this guy in particular, he was like quite a young guy. And I remember the first time we sat down together and he was like, why don't you tell me a bit about your past? And I was like, here's all the stuff. Here's, you know, let's throw the word bipolar around. Yeah, and he, yeah. he was like, oh, okay. And then he came back the next session and he was like, I um, I don't have any experience into this, but I've got some paper, like some worksheets here about like CBT. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> CBT, like, the, the the panacea of yeah, yeah. yeah the cure all. Um, yeah, absolutely. It does nothing for me, yeah. incidentally. Yeah. Great for phobias. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, for some people it is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I know so many people it helps, but yeah, unfortunately, I've but, got uh, a bit more that <laughs> want to get through. Yeah. So you went you you went through that, and that what then you felt sort of cast adrift to sort of into some kind of weird um I think I didn't I would go through phases of stopping trying to get help and I would try different medications I've been on about four or five different varieties of SSRIs right um like whenever friends of mine now are, on, are taking antidepressants, I'm like, oh, which one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember such. Oh, that was my oh, favourite. Oh, Sertraline, what a time! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but none of them ever really work for me. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I tend to be on more of the side of things where they just make my suicidal feelings worse. Right. Um, they don't. You know, they make me feel kind of a bit blank as well. And I'm quite a creative person. Yeah. And I really. Like mourn any sort of slight loss of, of creative impulse. So when you were saying blank, tell us a bit more about that. So you you, you lost creative impulses, and, yeah. And and so sort of how did describe what you what you you remember yourself being like? Um, I mean, vaguely different for each antidepressant, but I think mostly I just 
have a complete loss of interest. Weirdly, it's a bit worse than depression. Obviously, like you yeah, lose motivation yeah. and like lose passion for things when you're depressed anyway. Yes. But at least when I'm depressed personally, I, I definitely have moments of like kind of acute darkness where you're like, ah, oh, and I can push through this and make something from yeah, it. And like, yeah, yeah. You know, and there are, there are definitely like patches of, of productivity, whereas on antidepressants, everything just feels a bit like, well, this is fine. Yes. This is, I mean, it's not fine. CPR. But I guess it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just dull. Horrible. So how many how many years of um, antidepressants do you think you went through? Um, I mean, I also I especially when I was a teenager was the worst in staying on them. I would take them for like I think at most like five or six months. And right. I'd be like, right. Sod this, and then go off them without informing my GP. Obviously. Right. Right. <laughs> the only way to dramatically <clears throat> lose a medication. <laughs> So, so are you getting pressure from elsewhere saying just keep taking the pills, don't stop taking the pills, or, or yeah, are people taking your cue? Um, I only once did I ever go to the GP and say I think I want to be on antidepressants, and that right. was a bit later. That's when I was about twenty. Yeah, and um, and then it was kind of the same thing anyway. I hated taking them; they didn't work for me, and I um, I quit them after a few months. But that time was with my GP's permission. Okay, but um. Sorry, what was the question? It was about um, <laughs> people ensuring that you're on taking your yes, pills. That's right. Um, I mean, I mean, like because they were aware, every GPS was aware that there wasn't much in the way of therapy available. Right. There, wasn't, there weren't many um, many resources available to me. They were like, well, at least we can kind of solve it. Maybe if we give her antidepressants, she'll stop coming back so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, might not be able to find your way if you've taken so many well, medications. Exactly, yeah, if, if she forgets, then <laughs> yes. it'll, it'll be fine. So, yeah. so CAMS, you said you got some support from mm. CAMS, but what, what sort of thing did they um, offer you? I, I think it was the same thing, like a limited six sessions, which didn't really go anywhere, and it was general counselling and not therapy. So how do, how, do you remember how that felt, knowing that it was limited to six sessions? Um, I I think I always went in the first couple of sessions because I've been through the similar thing like a few times for different services and I would always go in the first couple of sessions being like, yeah, brilliant, we're really going to change it, I'm ready to open up and yeah. I'd be completely disillusioned by the third session maybe. Yeah, yeah. And just, it would, as soon as I realised we were nearly the, at the halfway point and nothing had been resolved. Sure. And also I think when you're a teenager, they especially try, they, especially those particular kinds of counselling services, which are more for teenagers going through fairly, I don't want to say, like, routine problems, mm -hmm. but when it's like, things are tough at school, my parents are divorcing, and yeah. that makes me sad. Like, yeah, yeah. I was definitely going through that, but I was going through other stuff as so well. So they're talking it wasn't being really... more about resilience rather than illness, I guess. Yes, yeah, and the illness thing was never addressed, because yeah. they couldn't deal with that, and they didn't have the resources to, and I was repeatedly told that they wouldn't give me any sort of complex diagnosis until I was 19 anyway. Right, right. So even if I said, look, I've already been, like I was diagnosed as a kid with bipolar, um, let's talk about that. They'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. No, this is Britain. <laughs> this is Britain, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, basically, but they also ironically said, oh, we don't want to label you. And I was like, but I've had the label. Uh, give let's me just a label. I yeah. don't care about the label. <laughs> yeah, like the, the stigma, yeah, yeah, I've already been been affected by it so let's yeah, just, yeah. just carry on so did you have sort of various spates of uh six weeks or 
or did you feel yourself just grad it just gradually getting further and further away and you were thinking I'm never going to get the treatment I need um I think I accepted <laughs> at some point in my mid late teens that I wasn't going to get anywhere until I was 19 because that was the sort of age they told yeah, me that, was that, the cut-off, yeah. that you were able to get a more complex diagnosis but then when I was 18 I saw someone who um I saw someone for only two sessions and she said, oh, I really think that you might have symptoms of borderline personality disorder. Do you know what that is? And I was right. like, never yeah. heard of it. Yeah. Um, she was like, Google it. What a mistake. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, like, I look back now and I'm like, I can't believe she told me to. Especially when I was 18 and super impressionable. And like, yeah. So like, Google Do you remember it. the first... Do you remember... the? Doing it. I remember, yeah. She was like, Wikipedia can be an excellent resource. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which it it was not. No. Uh, Turns out, not super helpful. God, I'm shocked. Sent me into a weird little spiral for a bit. Really? And then, I know, shocking. And then the next time I went in, she said, this is actually going to be our last session. And I stormed out and um, just ran away. And she had to phone my mother and be like, I've lost your daughter. That's careless. Yeah, it's really careless. <laughs> <laughs> so, two sessions. No. Yeah, yeah, and so I got diagnosed the first, and then she went, we're kind of done here. There isn't, like, our service can't help you. And then she said afterwards, when they eventually, like, wrangled me back into the, um, into the therapy room, and I was apologised to, um, she said, oh, but here is um, what you need to do. You need to self-refer to this thing called the Complex Needs Service. And I was based in Oxfordshire at the time. Right. And um, then we tried to self-refer, and then within a month it was completely axed by the Tories. Fantastic. So that was just another dead end. And that was actually the most um, annoying and pervasive pattern in terms of trying to get help, was that I would be referred to services, which were then immediately cut. So I've seen it happening in real time. I've seen things literally just slipping away in front of me, like just, yeah, seeing services be completely... um, When I was in Edinburgh, uh, I was fortunate enough to get some really great group psychotherapy. And when I left, it was like I was pulling the ladder up from oh beneath me because it'd gone. That was it. It was finished. Yeah. And you think, well, I mean, what use is having yeah. a diagnosis and then saying, tough shit, you know, um, there's, there's, there's nothing we can do for you. So did they give you any alternatives? Did, they, did you go back to your GP and say, well, I, I've, I've been nearly given a diagnosis? Mm. Uh, um, I think I gave up at that point for a while. Right. And then when I was 20, as I said, I went back and just was like, I'll just go back on antidepressants because then I won't feel it's quite something. so horrible all the time and I'll feel like I'm doing something. What did giving up look like? I mean, much the same as seeking help, <laughs> if I'm honest, for all the good it did. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, I think also there's a sort of, there's a temporary sort of freedom in giving up when you're yeah, like, I yeah. don't care anymore. I'm just going to live with this and deal with it in my own way, which is always fine for about six months. Yeah, yeah. And you get this initial little rush of like, I'm going to be okay. All I need is me. And then it turns and, out... And positive thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a song in my heart. Have I tried yoga? <laughs> like, <laughs> amazing. But um, and then after that, obviously, you slip into a major depressive episode and you're like maybe this isn't a pattern I want to continue for the rest of my life. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> then you went back onto 
Antidepressants. Yeah, um, but that was also kind of around the same time where I had a similar cycle of trying to get help again. I accepted antidepressants that time because it's what they were offering, and I kind of was like, oh, well, it will be a long time until I get real help. And I got put on a waiting list at that right, point, right. Um, which took about, I think it took three months just to get on the waiting list, then it took nine months of being on the waiting list, at which point I... I was living in Oxford at the time. I'd literally left Oxford. So, oh, then, just rewind. There was a waiting list for the waiting list. Yeah, there was a waiting list for the waiting list. I had to go to, I had to go, I, had, I was on a waiting list to go for an assessment. Right. And then I had the assessment. And then good, I got good. on the real waiting list. Fantastic. Yeah, like like many different sort of circles of hell, perhaps. But, but that's it, that just has. sounds like <laughs> NHS chicanery sort of yeah. thing. No, no, we haven't got many people on our waiting list. But the, there is mm. a waiting list for the waiting list. Yeah, I got completely lost in the bureaucracy of all for yeah. a while, um, which was quite frustrating. And I like, also had completely given up. And then yeah. it just so happened that I went in a sort of just fun, exciting bid to run away from all of my problems. Mm. I thought I would just go traveling for a bit, right. um, for just for a few months in Southeast Asia. And I was meant to be there for three months and I lasted three weeks before okay. my um, really persistent suicidal ideation got, right, really got right. the better of me. Yeah. And I thought... Were Maybe you... I won't stay out here. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you with somebody or were you... Were... I was travelling with my older sister. Okay. And um, it was not great for her because it no. turned... I think that was part of the reason I wanted to come back as well is because I realised I was like, I'm not... It's not even that I'm not having fun anymore. Now, I'm, like, my sister has to kind of babysit me emotionally and that's not fun. No, no. And um, so I came back and, like, left her out there. She, she'd been travelling for a year on her own anyway. Okay. So I thought... She's probably better off without me. And I came home and um, it just so happened, just as I was trying to get help again, um, this waiting list that I'd been on for nine months that I'd literally forgotten about. I just assumed I was off the waiting list for some right, reason. Right. Um, I just happened to get a letter being like, oh, it's it's your turn. <laughs> and, which was great because um, then it meant I immediately, on returning, got to see a therapist. The problem was it was only for six months. Right. So I was only ever given... Well, like about 20 weeks of um, psychodynamic therapy, which right. is a bit like cognitive analytic therapy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a splendid thing, but yeah, I mean, I, just hearing about people in the States getting that kind of treatment, mm. it's open-ended. Yeah. There is no end. They, they don't say you're going to have this for six months. Yeah. And in fact, the, 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 the uh, psychotherapy I had was completely open-ended. Yeah. And they had people on it for years. And to, to, to sort of try and squash that into six months, it oh, yeah. just, just makes <laughs> it, was, it kind of meaningless. Well, what we did was we did a really good job of opening up all of the wounds. <laughs> <laughs> so I think after about six months, we just about figured out what the problems were. And they went, well, that sounds awful. Bye. Yeah, I mean, more or less. And I, I still remember my last therapy session, which was one of the worst hours of my life because I just sat there in complete hysterics. Because I didn't, like, I didn't know how to continue. And I'd, like, therapy had just been the highlight of my week for six yeah, months. Yeah. And, um, and I remember, like, my therapist just apologising to me and being like, I just wish there was something more we could do. And I can't. We I can't. spoke about this earlier. There was no, she couldn't, you didn't do private work or things like that. And no, you couldn't and afford I, it. I couldn't afford it at the time. Like, it's, oh, God, yeah, private <clears throat> therapy is so expensive. So, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I completely, it's, um. We're so, so lucky to have the NHS, but... We are, but... It's just... What I had was not... Was not what I needed. No. no. <laughs> and there was no way they could make an excuse for me to have more. And I think it's because 
also that was the therapy I'd initially been put on a waiting list for like over a year before. Yeah, yeah. So my problems have actually gotten worse in that year as well. Yes. So however much six months might have benefited me before, it just, you know, everything had sort of escalated from that point. So um, um, the other thing you were talking about earlier was that your, your GP put you on CBT and said that six, there's a lot of evidence to say that six weeks oh, yeah. CBT <laughs> helps. Yeah, um, for some people there is. <laughs> but it's, it, I think they've recommended CBT about three times now. Wow. I'm really sick of saying I've tried it. Yeah, and yeah. It's great for other people. Yes. I believe you. I'm sure it has worked for other people. If you're afraid of spiders, yeah. it's great. Yeah, I'm a bit afraid of spiders, yeah. but we don't even have time to get to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, um, it's ridiculous the way. And it's, I don't think it's any one person. I'm not saying like it was this person that messed everything up. I think there's a general problem, especially, I mean, societally, we can take it very, very broad. Yeah. With, especially with um, young women's pain and mental health not being taken particularly seriously. Yeah. I had, I was very unfortunate to have a lot of older male GPs who were like, oh, is it hormones? Oh. <laughs> Maybe you're on your period. Like, uh. Yeah. I'd like to apologise on behalf of all males, ever. Uh, I don't accept, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, guys, I, I just like to say, I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just dire. So you were just cast adrift? More or less, yeah. So after, after that six months of therapy, um, I was... If I'd stayed in the area, I basically had then had plans to move to London from that point. Right. And had like a flat sorted out and stuff. So if I'd stayed in the area, I think she would have tried to get me into some sort of group therapy. Sure. Which would have been okay. Yeah, she really recommended yeah. I did group therapy. I've still not been to group therapy. And that's still on the cards. <laughs> so the hospital I'm with at the moment is very much like, I've, I've, it's coming up. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to say, I'm, I'm a fan of the group therapy. I yeah. wasn't initially. Because yeah. um, I remember my uh, psychotherapist saying to me... Uh, yeah, your group therapies for you, and I'm going to buy one to a psychotherapist of my very own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, he said, uh, look, if you imagine having one psychotherapist, it's like looking into one mirror. But if you have group psychotherapy, it's like looking into lots of mirrors, so you see mm. lots of angles yourself. Like, that sounds great. So. Well, I don't know. I'm not, I don't look that great from every angle. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that sort of focus. <laughs> yeah. And I, I suppose it's, you know, if you've got, the luxury of time you, you, yeah. you're not trying to jam everything in yeah you know you just take your time and sometimes you can sit back and listen to other people's stuff and think gosh that sounds a bit like me and yeah it's it's i don't know it's something very lovely about it but so is that where you're right you're on a i keep jumping in no uh, that's okay yeah. um I, th I think that's where i'm at it's my hospital at the moment is very disorganized oh as many of them are it's not their fault it's just right <laughs> they are like I keep missing appointments due to not being told about them. I have repeatedly phoned them and said, you do have to let me know or I won't be able to make it. <laughs> I don't know, though. That, that seems a really tricky thing to get your head around. So they need to let you know yeah. before you'll go. Yeah, yeah. They just forget I, I to tell me just, and then I phone me. As to, yeah. <laughs> if I show up every day, chances are I'll, I'll I, uh... eventually go there on the right day. <laughs> yeah, um, but I am waiting at the moment I think basically so after I had the diagnosis of, of BPD when I was 18 yeah. then they did something which I've, I've heard is quite typical of BPD diagnoses and then the next therapist I saw went oh no no never mind never mind like that forget that 
Um, yeah. And this has happened, reading into it, this happened to a lot of other people as they tell you you have BPD and then they're like, maybe you don't though. Um, and now we're back on BPD. So what do you think that tells you about the therapist who said, maybe you don't have BPD? That she knew that there wasn't funding to do it. <laughs> <laughs> or that I think... I don't know. I mean, I I, I totally understand the, the mindset behind um, behind not wanting to yeah. to give people a label. I've read some really damaging things about BPD online, and I've read some I've heard some really hurtful opinions about BPD from yeah. people I know. Yeah. And yeah, it would be really really nice to not have it. But I will say, there's no point in sweeping it under the rug and being like, "Well, if I pretend I don't have it, yes, like, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's pretend I don't have lung cancer." Mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it is a, it's a real weird one. So what what sort of negative stuff have you heard and read and oh, gosh. experienced? Well, I think the biggest one that is the one that upsets me the most is that even like in some like pretend official writings, they talk about how people with BPD tend to be quite manipulative. Yeah. It's the most horrible word. It's one of those ones that you can't get out of. Yeah, because if you say, I'm not manipulative, then like, that's what a manipulative person would say. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a black hole of... So so manipulative is a, is a big one, so... Um, there's also, I read some really horrible statistics. Right. Which I, I think can't be true. Or I'd hope not, anyway. Or, like, really, I'm going to say they're not. Yeah, but, go ahead. Um, yeah, well, I almost don't want to say them because I don't want people listening to... to yeah. So I don't want to spread these around. Well, I suppose we, we, we can... If you say them, we can ridicule them. Okay, let's ridicule them. So yeah. the most... One of the most horrible things I read was I read a statistic that said something like, specifically women with BPD, if you are a woman with BPD, you are only... There's, like, a 30% chance you'll ever get married there's yeah. like a 10 percent chance you'll ever have children and the way i read this at the time was how could anyone love you yeah like, yeah how could they that's, like i mean that's what it screams isn't yeah it? i mean especially if you're already you have a mind that works overtime to turn things back on you and yeah. tell you you're unlovable yeah like giving someone that sort of ammunition is ridiculous oh it's madness yeah it is absolutely madness They're so responsible um and, and i i I don't know if it's, it's accurate at all. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure it was based on one really small study. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't very well researched. So how did, how did you feel when you got the label? I think I'd gone through a cycle of misdiagnoses for so long that yeah. I didn't really care. Right. Um, when I initially, when I was 18 and I first... My, ridiculous therapist told me to go and google it yeah that um, is crazy i think i think i was just really happy to be given something more solid did it sort of feel like well i knew it wasn't depression yeah I, well i think that's it as well as that still actually actually i think it's only just changed but up until really really recently on my like official medical notes all it said is anxiety and severe depression right which are like bad enough yeah you're like yeah. that's really enough for one person to deal with yeah, but yeah. also when you then go and try and get help for something more complex then your gp looks at your notes and goes well i don't really have a record of that so wow yeah which is quite frustrating and they're like oh well you know i believe you in this really condescending uh, way and like i didn't self-diagnose online yes. like i promise you you would say that you're I crazy i didn't take a buzzfeed quiz that told me i had bpd and manipulative <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i'm just trying to manipulate you into yeah. giving me a diagnosis but um wow. yeah yeah so what other other um horrible things did you come across 
I mean, the manipulation one is the biggest one. Yeah. I think the thing that I got really obsessed with, especially when I was a bit younger, when I first found out about it was like, there was, I think maybe like three search results down on Google. There was something like famous people who might've had BPD. And I was like, oh, uh, glamorous, let's look into that. <laughs> and um, the biggest one that people, and they're always speculative. There's no- Oh yeah, there's no, no fact here. It's one of people's favorite yeah. ones to, to just speculate. And yeah. anyone from like, it seems to be generally like anyone who had like a vaguely sad life from the 20th century, they're like, must have been borderline personality disorder. Yes, uh, yes. Marilyn Monroe is the biggest one that gets trotted out all the time. Yeah. Um, which, you know, may or may not have been true. I have no idea. Um, it's, it's a tricky one. Try and, um, I, I will suggest to Google, mm. <clears throat> find people, famous people currently mm. who've got a definite diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. Yeah. I've found probably about three. I've got one. Yeah. Um, it's not one that people readily embrace. Yeah, I mean, it, with good reason because of all the all the terrible stuff yeah, attached yeah, to it. Yeah. It seems to be one of the one of the more taboo. Yeah. Um, mental disorders, which is a shame. Do you believe it's a useful label for, for for people with the condition, given the fact that you have to meet eight of the criteria to? <laughs> when I am um, really recently, when I was. Um, back like pushing myself back into the medical system and yeah. like um trying to get therapy again i was like i'm not going to be refused this time so i looked up yes. all the criteria and took because i'm also um i work as an illustrator but i'm also a film yeah. researcher as well like a couple of jobs and um i was very like researchy about it yeah, i just yeah. i went into my gp with a notebook in which i'd written down every single criteria well done, well and exactly done. why i why i fit yeah. most of them <laughs> and um because I am, like, once you look into it, I think the mistake that's been made is partially is because I wasn't taken particularly seriously in the past because I was a young woman. Yeah. People don't like to take young women very seriously. Um, also, I'm very high-functioning most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm, I'm very good at pretending things are fine and sweeping things under the rug. So it's really easy to go in and... and be sort of friendly and smiley and be like, I couldn't get out of bed all week. And they're like, but you seem so okay now. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm cured. <laughs> yes, brilliant. Oh, I forgot, sorry. <laughs> Silly me. But um, wow. yeah, I think that's been part of it. So I really went in this time with just the list of criteria and was yeah. like, this is why I fit. And um, that helped. Uh, did Was this to a GP and they, yeah, they, they this, crumbled? <laughs> yeah, basically, they, they kind of gave in. And actually, I have to say, so the most recent time I was seeking help was in London and yeah. everything moved so much faster. Brilliant. Like, Brilliant. it's been a matter of months right. recently, and that's been great, it, considering how in Oxford it took over a year. So, what are your symptoms? <sighs> I wish I'd brought my notebook with <laughs> that I brought to my GP. Um, I am terrible at remembering them off the top of my head. Yeah. I just... I. I think I can go through the checklist and, and say I pretty happily yeah. relate to most of them. The things that I don't really have is that I'm not a, I'm not like a violent person. No, no. Uh, but that also tends, I know there tends to be sort of a gender divide. Well, I, I suppose uh, that the violence can go inwards or outwards. Oh, yeah. So inwardly, yeah. super violent. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Have like a long, long history of self-harm. Um, <clears throat> and like, as I said, when I'm in like quite a depressive state i will have like months and months of suicidal ideation like, right, every single day. right like there was um what's really funny is i noticed recently that because i've just come out of a really long like really terrible depressive episode i um 
I realised that it was kind of over because I started having an existential crisis and fearing death. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. I'm so afraid of death suddenly. <laughs> Isn't that neat? Because I was just craving death for months. <laughs> like, so it's almost like your, your body's sort of giving you serving suggestions. Yeah. yeah try this. <laughs> exactly. Yikes. So I think, I mean, it does mean I live in a state of either having an existential crisis or wanting to die, which is not fun. No. Um, but I know I kind of I know which is preferable, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are you able when you're when you have the suicidal ideation, mm. are you able to rationalise during that that maelstrom and think, no, this is clearly me being ill. This is a symptom of me being ill. Or do you think, you know, you, know, you can't get beyond thinking I I want to die. Um, I most of the time I can definitely get beyond it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, quite aware I mean what helps is sometimes I just write myself a list of like if you are feeling this way it might mean this right and then like here are the things you can do here are the people you can call here are the people who will always take a call from you because I have a lot of really wonderful friends who I can always phone like even if it's like 2am oh no that that is like you know I I always find myself speaking to people about it and saying you know Mm. don't don't try to make plans for a crisis when you're in the crisis. Yeah. Because it's almost impossible. Yeah. So, so you have a list of friends. I do, yeah. And it's it's like on my phone. And Brilliant. I can just look at it and be like, these people will talk to you. Yeah. But even now, I'm really terrible at, um, really terrible at reaching out. Even, I mean, no matter what state I'm in, if, like, it never occurs to me to pick up the phone. I think it takes a really, really long time to form that habit. Yeah, yeah. And I have friends who phone me at like midnight when they're sad. Yeah, always yeah. Like, of course I'll talk to you. Yeah. I would love to Why talk wouldn't to you I? right yeah. now. Exactly. Yeah. I can't sleep anywhere. What a terrible <laughs> insomnia. You chat away. And um, but for some reason, even though I love it when people call me and I love the fact that they can trust me and yeah. never phone me up at that time, it just doesn't ever occur to me that it works both ways when I'm in that state. So I, I know I should yeah, call people, and yeah. sometimes I do, and it's always so good. So it but doesn't occur to you, or is there something else? Do you feel guilty about the prospect of speaking? To, you don't want to bother people? or? Yeah, I definitely have... Um, I definitely tell myself that I feel like, I'll, like I'm, I'm a burden on other people. Yeah, yeah. That's something I repeatedly tell myself when, when I'm feeling down. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got a lot of, like, sort of fallback. Yeah, yeah. Fallback, you know... <laughs> A million reasons not to phone a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, when yeah, whenever I do pick up the phone, it's always yeah, always goes pretty well, and yeah, no one says yeah. how dare you ring me at this yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're currently in a place where you're waiting for therapy. Yeah. And you don't know how long that waiting list is going to be, or. I think I'm meant to see someone very soon. Yeah. Um, as I say, hospital's quite disorganised. Um, I imagine it will be soon. I don't know how long from when I first see um, this new therapist into how, you know, what the wait will be until I'm going yeah, to regular therapy. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, I, I've been led to believe it won't be very long at all. Cool, cool. Yeah, like a few weeks. So you, you've got a whole life that's going on, you know, that's outside BPD, that's, that's not borderline per- personality, yeah. so you're getting on with your life. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, in terms of other things I do when, about, I'm, when about, I'm not about, feeling sad. About <laughs> you, or even when you are sad. I mean, you, um, yeah, I, um, I found having a creative outlet is 
the most insanely valuable thing. Right. Um, even though my actual sort of um, the actual amount of work I produce varies really drastically depending on my mood. But I um, I'm an illustrator, yeah. and that's I mean. You know, amazingly, that's taking off a bit now. Yeah, which is brilliant. Great. I mean, like, we, we saw some of your pictures there. They're absolutely yeah. fabulous. Um, yeah. And it's something I love doing. And also, it's a wonderful thing to do if, like, if it's 4 a.m. and I can't pick up the phone because yeah, yeah. I convince myself I'm not able to. It doesn't really matter what I produce, but actually, the act of like just picking up a pencil and paper and right. creating something, it doesn't have to be good. It just, you know, there is always leaves me with a feeling of like, I did something. Yeah. I did yeah. something that wasn't destructive. Right. Um, and it, as I say, it doesn't have to be my best work. It just has to be a thing that wasn't harmful. Something, yeah. Yeah. How about the, the people around you? Do, do you find that everybody understands your mental health now? Or some people? or? Um, I find BPD a really, really tough one to explain because I feel like I don't understand it properly. Yeah. And I'm still, yeah. like, working through it. I, like... I really struggle. I mean, I'm still at this point of, like, trying to identify triggers for things. Yeah. Trying yeah. to, like, you know... I, I think I've only just gotten to the point of recognising that there are things that trigger me. Yeah, yeah. Like, any sort of sense of, of being abandoned or, like... Right, Or, like, any right. sort of feeling of instability at home. Just yeah. suddenly, like, it completely, like, drives me to isolate myself and then... And are, are you quick to race to abandonment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah I, uh, my brain really loves going there yeah. at, like... Yeah breakneck speed yes. um yeah it's that you know pretty much constantly it's like everyone hates you and will leave you by the way just yeah. in case you because you weren't sure of that so when that happens what do you have sort of physiological responses to that um we've not really spoken much about dissociation no i don't know if i'm uh, completely honest right i'm not sure i like I think I have dissociated. It's not something I do right. regularly. Okay. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, as I say, like, I, I, this is still something I'm kind of working out. Sure. So you, you, you think you've got periods where they're just missing, perhaps, or, or perhaps it feels more like, I don't know, the, the, what a lot of people describe it as is watching yourself in a film. Mm. I definitely, I would say I necessarily have it, like, completely out-of-body experience. Yeah, there are yeah. definitely times when I'm feeling quite, like, quite sad or very anxious. And then I suddenly, it almost feels like I'm, not that I'm watching myself from outside of my body, but it more feels like I'm in, it's sort of a VR experience. Yes, and I'm just, yes. um, I'm sort of watching it from within. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm suddenly really, really hyper-aware. For example, I can, like, see my fringe. Like, I've I can't. I'm suddenly very, very aware of everything in my peripheral vision. Right, And, and right. it's like a weird sort of suit that I'm in and that I don't really... So it's almost <laughs> like you're wearing a body that you don't recognise or... Yeah, and that I'm just, um, I'm just a passenger in it. Yep, yeah, that, that, that yeah. rings a lot of bells for yeah. me. Yeah. But, I, but it's also, it's not like I don't really have any autonomy when I'm in that state. It's just that I don't, I'm way less aware of it. Sure, sure, just... A feeling of weirdness and the other one you, you spoke about which resonated with me was uh you would retire to a darkened room yes i love a darkened room yes yeah um 
I like to think of it as like a sort of Victorian way for taking to her bed. <laughs> like, like, yeah, just maybe like collapsing on my fainting couch. Oh, it's good to have a fainting couch. Yeah, so now it's like you can stare out a window at a misty see, moor, perhaps. Oh, fantastic. See, yeah. see, a fainting couch, I think, is a much better idea than a deathbed. Oh, 100%. I, I don't know why people buy deathbeds. I don't know why either. He was lying on his no deathbed. <laughs> Absolute idiotic. What's own, the worst that couch? could happen on a fainting couch? Yes. Your hunky husband brings you some smelling salts. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes, some vapours. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yes. Like you can have a fan. Yeah, oh, Love yeah, a fan. you need a fan, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do. I like um, I like taking a week sometimes. Right. Sometimes right. up to a week in okay. a dark room doing yeah. very little. Not really eating or sleeping. I get a lot of my best um, TV watching done. Yeah, most times, yeah. Something which I'm particularly good at. Um, uh, but you, you were saying... That recently that when you came out of it you had yeah. an absolute burst of creativity yes I then so after doing all of the um, lying down for a long amount of time yeah. I then decided to just not sleep for about a week yeah. and probably produced you decided or you couldn't <laughs> I, my body decided I wasn't really part of that decision no, no. no one consulted me the, there was I a thought, meeting somewhere at the back yeah I mean it was the committee's decision I had to yeah. go along with it yeah. so um, I then just didn't sleep for a while got a lot of work done yeah. produced um as much illustration in about three weeks, as many finished pieces as I had done in the entire year leading wow. up to that. Wow. Partially because I suddenly had a lot more time on my hands as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was um, in a sense great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, I think when things aren't totally shit, even if they're a bit problematic, I do just try to enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I couldn't sleep very well. I tried, I tried to just not get really anxious and angry about the fact that I can't sleep. I tried yeah. not to force myself to sleep. I try and just go, fine, we will use this energy. Since it is here, it might be gone tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just sat up and, and drew a lot. Wow. And did a lot of illustration, and that was really fun. Um, yes. And then, I mean, I don't know, I probably was um, also talking incredibly quickly, as per usual. <laughs> and um, I don't think I ate very much during those weeks. But... Right. And you're, you're, you're on no medication whatsoever just now? No, it's definitely it's a conversation that is happening, but yeah, because yeah. I'm not seeing anyone really, really regularly, it's you, you feel you need monitoring if you're going to be in something. I mean, that's also what what they very much said. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. we don't really want to start you anything without um, without being able to see you. Sure, sure, well, that make, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and I think I mean I'm basically all right at the moment without medication. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean. From my experience, therapy is hugely helpful. Medication mm, can be mm. all right. Um, I'd much rather have a lot of therapy than a lot of medication. Yeah. I, I, I was uh, put on a th <clears throat> what they call a therapeutic dose mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes therapy can hurt. Yes. <clears throat> so you're in therapy and, and, you know, it's just something that just takes the, the, the edge off. Yeah. Which, which I found useful, but, you know, I don't, you know, I think other people would say completely different things. Yeah. So. I think because I had such negative experiences with medication from a very young age... <clears throat> I it's I tend to reject it as an idea. Yeah, trying yeah. to talk myself around to it just in case I might want it in the future. Yeah, but for now I'm still quite averse to it. I think I, th I think it's a good idea to treat yourself like a, as if you're a scientist mm -hmm. studying yourself. Yeah, and you know, do therapy without medication, fine. Yeah, uh, and then maybe if if it if that doesn't work, there might be some medications that can maybe take the edge off. You know, but but. I would say don't, never say never to anything. 
Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's my feeling as well. Yeah. I definitely, and I have said to my most recent psychiatrist, I'm very much open to the idea, but it's also just something. Sure. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, um, if you were sort of looking back at your younger self, mm-hmm. is there are there any sort of hot tips you would give yourself? Oh gosh. In terms of getting help. Yeah. It's really rubbish. It took about a decade. Yeah. Yeah. But just keep going back make a nuisance of yourself be if anything um i know some people don't really like this as advice but don't i mean don't gloss over anything go in and talk it up as if it's the worst right, every day right. is unlivable because yeah. there will be days that are unlivable yeah you have to go in and, and speak about how you are on your worst day you can't yeah. go and say well i'm okay now yeah because yeah. yeah i mean yeah that's the thing it's, but persistence, I guess. Yeah, is... yeah. But it's also, I mean, it's so frustrating. It's so annoying that you have to be so persistent. Yeah, the help yeah. isn't there when you first ask for it because I think that's what wears a lot of people down is, is that I've had to go back countless times. I've had to go and, like, go have the same sort of baseline conversation, introduction with therapists over and over again, go through the same problems. Um, so it feels like nobody anywhere is taking any notes. So they, they, you know, when you come in the door, ah, yes, I, I read from your notes that. Well, there are some notes now. Right. I've seen them and I've got yeah. copies of them. Oh, okay. But, and I sometimes just take them in with me anyway. I'm like, just in case you haven't read this. It's, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. It's a real page turner. <laughs> but um, even so, they like to just go over it all again anyway. Cool, cool. They'll still just look at your notes and be like, can we talk about your childhood? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. Seems like you haven't done your homework, but fine. <laughs> so they, you get the feeling they're winging it sometimes. Yeah, but that's not their fault either. I mean, I'm massively overworked. It's not like... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, the, the, I love the NHS. I yes. think it's a, a marvellous thing. It's my thing. favourite thing. But, but the, sometimes there's a, a flavour of it's free, so you should be grateful. And the thing is, it isn't free because people pay taxes and national insurance. Yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't just be grateful for anything. You know, we, we should have, you know, the, uh, f- from the top, top of my head, I, can, the, the, I think there are four or five different treatments for mm. borderline personality disorder. And the number of times I've heard people just get nothing more than a diagnosis yeah. and a wave, you know, it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. If you were, you know, speaking to friends, mm. you know, because I, I, I imagine friends have seen you symptomatic. Yes. What would you give them as a sort of a holly sort of handler's guide? What would you sort of be saying to them? Oh, gosh. What, what should they expect? Um, what, when I'm at my worst? Yeah. Um, I think... I mean, what I find, not necessarily even that I take it in at the time, yeah. but just knowing that, like, it, it really helps if people are just like, by the way, uh, we love you and we're not going to abandon you. That really yes, <laughs> really helps. Yeah, you wouldn't believe how nice it is for someone to say to you, I'm not going to leave you. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, yeah massively helpful. Um, also, just, I think, something that I really appreciate, which I think other people, especially, like, it's not very fun for them... Something no, I really no. like is if I like, sometimes I just don't want to be alone, but I don't yeah. also want to have any kind of conversation with people. Sometimes I want someone to be there while I watch crap TV so I know that there will be someone there. Yeah, yeah. Or like know that they're at least in the other room. Yeah. Like I hate being completely on my own a lot right, of the time. Right. 
but I also don't, it doesn't mean I want to have a conversation constantly. It just means that I'm like, it would be really nice to just know that like there's someone not far away. Um, and I've had, I've had friends who have like been and stayed at their houses while I've been feeling terrible. Yeah, just... I've just stayed in the guest room the entire time and they've right. been downstairs. They've just been around. Yeah, yeah, and they've been like, you can be sad here, it's okay. Like, sure, sure. And that's like unbelievably helpful. One of the kindest things you can do is just like nothing basically and just be there. Right. Like that's yeah. what means a lot to me. Okay. Um, yeah. What about... I know with, with borderline per personality disorder, the... the uh, the elephant that's often in the room is the is self harm. Yeah. How would you ideally have your friends and family respond to self harm? Um. I don't know. It's a difficult one. I mean, I've, I've, I I yeah. people tend to respond with anger. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. And I've <laughs> I've like witnessed it in other people and also yes. felt anger and then known that it's not a product like i known how horrible it is to be on the receiving end of yes. that and yeah it's um just to take a step back so mm. the, the when you self-harm what what does that give you um i think it gives me a few things it gives me a sort of sense of I think that's like a really satisfying like physical manifestation of emotional pain yep. and especially yep. since a lot of people don't take emotional pain very seriously you then have something that is like well yeah. here you go because that Look, actually hurts this is how bad <laughs> I feel look yeah, at this exactly yeah, like yeah, yeah. why would I do this if I'm feeling great yeah. but also um I think it gives you a sense of control it gives you like a sense of feeling I mean it sounds wrong to be like productive like yeah. I've got a lot done here but like <laughs> I, but it does it makes you feel like you did something Yes. That, that just, I mean, it is, a, it kind of brings everything to a very, very sharp point of focus. Yeah, yeah. Pun intended. Area. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's definitely part of the, of the um, psychology behind it. Sure. And you talked about suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. Are the two things always together or uh, uh, are they just? Are they completely separate entities, would you say? I'd actually say they're quite separate for me. Yeah. I can definitely spend a lot of time over a very, very long period of time feeling mildly suicidal. Yeah. And just yeah. having moments where it just crosses my mind, like, every hour or so. Yeah. And yeah. then sometimes it'll be more persistent. And, um, but weirdly, there isn't a huge link for me. Like, I, if I self-harm, it tends to be I'm deeply, deeply upset and yeah, I really yeah. feel like I'm losing control. Yeah. And I become very, very afraid and, like, you know, quite... I feel like hysterical is a really bad word, but that is what I mean. Do you know, it, when I can't hear that word without remembering the history of the word. That's exactly... I just think, yeah. Wandering womb. Yes, exactly. Really? That's why I hate using it, <laughs> yes. but I do mean that. She's got a Normally. womb in her head. <laughs> yeah, it's when my womb goes wandering. That's why I get upset. <laughs> I mean, that would be upsetting for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is that in the garden? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, going back to the, the self-harm then, and you were saying that you felt anger when you've, you've mm. experienced friends in that situation. How, how would you like friends... To deal with it, yeah. I mean, I feel like the answer to most of these questions is just like, give me a really big hug. Yeah. That tends yeah. to go a long way. Like, I mean, there's not a lot people can say. I mean, there really isn't. Yeah. I've heard yeah. so many different responses to it, and I mean, just someone going, "Well, I still love you." Come here. Yeah. Yeah. 
you see me like you need a hug. Like, I, I mean, that probably isn't the same for a lot of other people, but I... I the, the more I talk about self-harming, the more I realise that there, there, there seems to be as many reasons for self-harming as there are people who self-harm. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a very specific. And, and also, self-harming is, is different at different times. You might self-harm for X or Y reasons. It's not always the same reason. Yeah. Um, so love is what you want to be hit with, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's like... But I also, I mean... I tend to not, I tend to be quite private about my self-harm. Yeah. For obvious yeah. reasons, I think people don't react super well. Um, so if I end up telling people, it tends to be like a little bit afterwards. Right, and right. Yeah, it's, I mean. How would it be if, uh, and if you said to people, you know, at, at, at a time of calmness, mm. I self-harm occasionally. Yeah. Uh, and this is what I need at times of self-harming? Or would that just feel completely out of the box? I think in my head, I always feel like I'm never going to do it again. Which is so silly. I, <laughs> it's really like, really it's optimistic, like, isn't it? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I haven't self-harmed for two years. Well but, done. But I see myself as a sort of lapsed self-harmer. I, I yes, don't see yes. myself as somebody who doesn't self-harm. Um, so I... It's, I, I don't know, it feels a bit like alcoholism. Yeah, you're, you're always going to be a yeah, self-harmer. It, it's always going to be an option that your brain presents you with. Yeah. You're upset. Here, try this. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think it'll, it'll always be on like the menu of coping mechanisms. Yes, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't... Maybe it's wrong to say I assume I won't do it again. I did go for like three years at one point without right, doing it. Right. And I kind of thought... Yeah, yeah, then. yeah, that's kind of fixed. I'm cured. <laughs> Next, yes. look at me go. Yeah, yeah. but um, I, I think it, it's that I I know how easy it is to not self harm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like to think I've I've made enough progress to right to not go back to it. Okay. Actually, maybe you should cut that because it's definitely not true. Because okay. I relapsed really recently. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but. yeah. But it is one of those things, you know, there's a bit of us that wants to say, this is the way I want you to see me, mm. and this is the way it actually is. And, you know, a lot of our pain, I think, exists because we're scared or we're scared of other people's reactions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, relapsing isn't a huge thing if it's, if it's I don't know, is it? Or is it? No, I feel like it's it's something that in my head it seems like it's fine to go. I self harmed as a teenager. I used to be mad, <laughs> but now I'm, I'm cured. Now. Yeah, um, I well, I don't know. It's just I think the thing that I find that I like really torture myself with about it is that like in my head I'm like you should have grown out of that. Right. It seems a bit childish. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the worst response I had was, well, that's not very intelligent. Like, that is a horrible response. I'm sorry. That is so bad. And my response is, I've got two fucking degrees, you Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, my God. Yeah, really, that is. And that was a psychotherapist. That, that was just, 
it wasn't the psychotherapist that oh, I had, but, but it was. It was really. It's a really weird response. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I've um. The worst response I've had to telling someone that I self harmed was someone who said, like, that I was being manipulative by telling them. Like, how dare you open up to me? How complicated is that? <laughs> yeah, that was so that was like the double whammy as well of yeah. like getting a negative response to confessing self-harming and then also being told you're manipulative so you couldn't so you hadn't even self-harmed which which would then be seen as manipulative anyway no i had self-harmed at that I point told them about it. i said uh, right. i self-harmed yeah. i feel really bad and they were like how dare you tell me <laughs> yeah that's mental note don't go back to that person or, or unless that person is open to i don't know some conversation that says look you know the reason i self-harm is x and mm. you know and uh, have you ever had to have medical support with self-harming in the past um i've been seen right. by like doctors immediately after just to sort of check them over okay but it's basically always been fine. Right. Uh, and what's the response been from medical profession when they see that you've hurt yourself? Um, and obviously they always take it very seriously. Okay. Always very nice. There's also always a sense of they're like, oh, you're fine. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> they're like, this is all right. Okay. It's, um... I suppose what I'm fishing for here is judgment. Mm. Do people go, oh, for God's sake, we've got no, real patients No, here. no, 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 no. Oh, that's, um, that's lovely to hear. I've, I've been very lucky, I think, yeah, with, yeah. Um, in, in terms of crisis. Yeah, brilliant. Um, medical professionals have always been really nice. Okay. I think, actually, it might be like a... Um, maybe it's like a sort of double-sided thing of, like, initially, when you're a young woman, um, people don't take it very seriously. Yeah. And they're really nice to you <laughs> at other certain moments. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe it's a thing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it seems um, people have generally been... Pretty cool about it. Yeah. Yeah, apart from the person who said, you know, you're being manipulative. Yeah. But yeah. But that... that's more a reflection on them. Yes. And I, I, but I suppose when you're in that maelstrom, it's very difficult to... It's very easy, I mean, to buy into the negativity coming from other people. Yeah, I mean, if I'm in a really, really negative place, I could definitely repeatedly tell myself I'm manipulative. Because yeah. also it stops you from asking for help, which is the worst. I mean, yeah, that's what's terrible, is that you're like, I can't talk to anyone, I can't phone any of my friends on my list, because they'll just think I'm being manipulative. They'll think, you know, am I not being manipulative and trying to get people to help me? Yeah. How dare yeah. I? How dare I ask for help? But it's, it's part of the human condition, manipulation. Yeah. You go to a shop and you say do you sell X? And they'll say, yes, we've got one here on the shelf. Mm. And you've manipulated them into getting one off the shelf. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. You know, I think the thing with very often with people with BPD is we're told we're manipulative mm -hmm. because we're really shit at it. Yes. Um, it's that the cracks are all showing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's because I'm such a shit manipulator. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, one of the things that we, we haven't spoken about is the, the weird world of welfare benefits. You mm. mentioned earlier that you'd applied in the past for 
the disability living allowance? I, I was only, I was really briefly at one point, not even for BPD, I was signed off work for depression okay. when I came back from travelling. Right, right. Because um, I really just couldn't, like, was yeah, not at the yeah. getting out of bed stage of right. things yet. So just couldn't work and was just on some, I had a medical note and basically okay. was given a small amount of... of um, and how, was that a straightforward system for you? Um, I found going to the Citizens Advice Bureau incredibly helpful. Right. Um, they basically did it all for me because I kind of went in, immediately Super. burst into tears and yes. they just sat and did the form for me because oh. they were like, you clearly don't seem very well equipped at the moment <laughs> yes. to sort this Let's out Let's get yourself. you through this, right. Yeah, and it's not that I, you know, I am, you know, I'm pretty literate. I can, yes. I can yeah. do a form. Yeah, But smart, it's also, yeah. I would, I mean, I'd recommend to anyone who's trying to apply for anything to go there, yeah. at least as an initial port of call because they also know the language, the exact you know, the exact way to phrase things in order yeah. to get the best response, which is really, really helpful, because I certainly didn't have experience of that. So you didn't immediately encounter face-to-face the Department of Work and Pensions? No, because I was only asking for a short-term yeah, um, yeah. short support, okay. and I think I got um, something like £50 a week, maybe? Madness. I know. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, this is... That's your silver-plated pension right exactly. there, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah. thanks everyone for your taxes. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 and did you smoke and drink and take drugs and buy a, a widescreen TV? And of course I did. You did, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what £50 <laughs> a week would get you these days. Yeah. Uh, no, I mainly stayed inside and did nothing. Yes. Yeah, and but, that money was spent on getting me to therapy. Yeah. And um, probably just like a chocolate bar, you know. How, how did that feel being in that situation where you were getting benefits? Was that, was that hard? I, I definitely didn't tell many people. Yeah, yeah. Even now, I don't... I wouldn't brag about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, not because I don't think I deserved it, because I it's, think I absolutely was in a position yeah, where I was... Yeah. That's what they're there for. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't earn money at the time. I, you know, I couldn't do anything, so it very much made sense to have that. But actually, I always think, had I been in a worse situation, had I not had a house to stay at at the time where I didn't have to pay rent, mm. um, I don't know how anyone would survive on that no, money. No, no, it's... Uh, it's not a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think if you're ever applying for benefits, never, ever, ever read the Daily Mail. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for you. So That's good general advice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd, you'd want to talk about in, in the past and, and regarding your mental health you know, that, mm. that I've radically missed out on? Ooh, I feel like I had so many things before we started uh-huh, talking, yeah. and my mind's really gone blank. No, don't as it worry. Has don't at worry. Multiple points during the conversation. Because um, we we we've booked you in for a, a year ahead, so of course, uh, exactly. Yeah, we're going to revisit this. <laughs> yes, and I'll yes. come back on and be like, oh my god, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think. I mean, we were talking earlier um, about like the representation in the media, yeah, specifically, yeah. not just in terms of speculatively which famous people in the 20th century yes, might have yes, had it. Yeah. I had one good recommendation for the only person who I've talk, heard talk about BPD, besides you, in a relatable way yeah. um, on like a mainstream podcast is my... Um, I've written it down. Is a podcast called Griefcast, which is right. um, hosted by Carrie Ad Lloyd. And it is, it's about grief. It's about okay. people, like different comedians come on who have lost someone. So it's yeah, like, yeah. always fairly lighthearted, but also like a really frank chat about, okay. about grieving. And it's really fascinating, but just it happens that someone who went on um, had BPD and talked about it a lot there. Right. And his name's Bobby Mayer, I think it's episode 32 okay. of the podcast. And um, 
It's a great podcast <clears throat> generally, but I found his especially good. And he also talked about something which I touched on earlier about the, the misdiagnosis thing. Of He was diagnosed and then went to different doctors who all said, oh, never mind, never mind, forget that. And yes. then went to another doctor who said he did have it and it went back and forth for years. And now yeah. he's at a point where he's just like, I have it. Yeah. I definitely have yeah. it. I've looked at all the criteria. I know I fit. Yeah. Enough doctors out of the you know many that I've seen have diagnosed me with it. But what what do you think of just while you're saying that? Mm. What do you think of the actual name, borderline personality disorder? I don't even understand what that means. Yeah. I don't know how anyone else would. Um, I also don't really like the new name either. What, uh, Emotionally uh, unstable personality person. disorder. It's I'm the, like, yeah, that seems accurate, but it doesn't. It, I don't want to tell people I have that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the personality disorder. It's a, it's a yeah. Like it's a failing in you. Well, that yeah, exactly. They're like, it's not. You know, it's not anything. It's not sure. the brain chemistry. It is you. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are the problem. If you just pulled yourself together. Interestingly, the guy who came up with that uh, yeah. name. Carked it recently. Oh. Um, yeah, he, he died. Basically, the, uh, or it might be time my granny had to suck eggs here, mm-hmm. but borderline personality disorder came came about because we, we have neurosis and psychosis. Oh, okay. Um, so neurosis is like your depressions mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, and psychosis is like your schizoaffective disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they found that there were people in the middle who were just being willfully mad. Yeah. And that's us. We were on the borderline yes. of just of the two. Insisting in my yeah. sort of thinking. Yeah. Um, it's not... Um, I've come across professionals who've thought this. Yeah. It's, it doesn't mean you've nearly got a personality disorder. <laughs> yeah. Which is horribly embarrassing for, for them. The thing I really hate about the personality disorder part yeah. of it is that there are a lot of personality disorders like if people then look into personality disorders yes. it makes BPD sound a lot worse because other personality disorders do sound very bad yeah. in a very yeah. specific way like sociopathic personality disorder yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I think people are like oh you have a personality disorder it must be similar to having all the others yeah. and I don't want to like I'm really conscious that I'm now saying like it sounds really awful to have any other kind of personality disorder, which isn't what I mean yeah, in any yeah. way. But I think people kind of just bundle them all together in one. It's the judgment that's it's sort of judgment. just that's chucked. Yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. talking earlier about um, programs like CSI mm. and Criminal Minds, and uh, it's very often the borderline what done it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was saying I, um, I'm a really big fan of true crime podcasts and um, very, very popular, My Favourite Murder. For the first 30 episodes, I think, they both kept saying, um, they both kept referring to people who committed violent crimes as probably having BPD or something. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think that's really a fair judgment, <laughs> actually. Like, um, yeah, it's not, it's not a glowing endorsement. Yeah, we, I think between us... Yeah. Am I right in thinking we haven't killed anybody today? No. Yeah, I, I think we have literally no people. Yeah, no people. So yeah. I, I think that that's... A... And I don't think I'm a statistical anomaly. No. Did no. I say anomaly? You did. You said it really well. Like and I, anemone. And, I, and, I, and I'm not going to even try it because I... <laughs> no, I meant to say anomaly. <laughs> no, you did say anomaly. I would have I, said I, an, 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 an anemone. I'm a statistical anemone. So. Yes. <laughs> stuck to a rock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please, it's... Uh, it, it, it's weird how the whole thing's treated. One, one of the things that I, I find quite interesting 
is that there are some people, and I'll, I'll include myself in mm. this, is that we're kind of pushing away from that kind of label and and trying to think about it in terms of trauma. Yeah. Because I think most people with this, something bad happened to them when they were younger. Yeah. Or, or something, something that, that was devastating to them. Mm. Uh, so it's some kind of post-traumatic stress. And I wouldn't even use the word disorder at yeah. the end of that. I'd use syndrome because yeah. it's not... It, as soon as you start sticking disorder on it, it feels like it's a failing in the person and not you know, a reaction to, to trauma. So, yeah. so complex PTSS, I, I would like. That's, that's what I would like to see. Uh, but it just feels that that's uh, a long way off with emotionally unstable personality disorder still being yeah. banded about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the improvement, which is insane. Yes, yeah. you improved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm the first time I heard you say that about PTSD. I found that like really, really relatable. Yeah, um, yeah. That actually, I think more neatly defines what I feel like I experienced. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of moves away from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. Yeah. And that's what I found ridiculously helpful about psychodynamic therapy. Yes. Because there was a huge, huge focus on addressing past events. Yeah. And I'd yeah. never had therapy like that before because until then people had just been trying to force CBT onto me. Yes. <laughs> and be like, think about the way that you think. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And it, there was no, there was no opportunity to sort of talk about, talk about the past. Yes. Stop your suicidal ideation. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, and just stop it at once. Stop that thought in its tracks, turn that, it around, send it packing. Yes. Fine, okay. <laughs> Good, thanks for that, doctor. I'm yes. cured. Yes, I wonder if they're like that with cancer. Yeah. I imagine so. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't accept the cancer. Yeah. Yes, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like we're still in a bit of a silly world with it all and mm. uh, we really need to, to, to move on with it. Yeah. I find um, in the personality, what's it called, Borderline Personality Survival Kit book, mm. that's a good book. I've not read it cover to cover. Yeah. I dip in and out. But um, one, of the, um, one of the analogies that I found, do I mean analogy? You do. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, one of the analogies <laughs> I found really helpful uh, was when they said it is a bit like, um, almost like being covered in burns, like third degree burns. Yeah, just yeah. Super, super sensitive. And also not knowing when something's going to rub up the wrong way against yes, you. Yes, And it being, and then the smallest movement can be so ridiculously painful in such a deep way. Yeah, And you yeah. can't really comprehend how, how like such a small, yes. small moment has affected you like that. And that's, it's always bewildering when I react to something like that. And Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. And, all, and retrospectively mm. too, when you look back, at that moment, you, and you think to yourself, I, I, "I'm thinking about the thing that triggered me that time," and yes. and it's not remotely triggering. You know, yeah, how does that work? Oh my god, totally. <laughs> That's the thing is, I I feel like there are definitely triggers, but they're always different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, there isn't a set list. So it's like you've got burns that move around your body. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like yeah, that makes that. Yeah. So ouch. <laughs> <laughs> so fun to deal with that. It's, <laughs> The, the the thing that, that that has helped me the most is being in an environment where I'm not judged. Yeah. Where I'm accepted uh, for what I am. And, and, and there's an acceptance that <clears throat> when I say I can't do stuff, mm. when I say I can't come out or, or I've put, or I, I say I, I'm, you know, I'm not able to come out like I promised I was going to, I'm surrounded in people who go, fine. Yeah. There's another time. 
I think for me, most like all of that judgment comes from within and all yeah, of that shame. Yeah. And I put it on myself and I, I sort of transfer it onto other people. But I know realistically it comes from me and it comes from my right. childhood. Yeah. Um, because actually in practice, I've had one or two people react really badly. But, you know, fuck them. And <laughs> everyone else, like, people sure. generally aren't dicks. But, but do you know, <laughs> people, that's a lovely thing to say. People yeah, aren't, are they? People just aren't dicks. Yeah. Turns out they're really not. Turns <laughs> out, and especially most of your friends are going to be... Yeah. bloody nice about it yeah yeah I still remember um, I used to really want to do a lot of the acting and right. it's something I don't really do anymore which is okay. kind of fine um, kind of just decided I wanted to do other things but yeah. when I was still trying to do it and I was auditioning for things like drama schools I remember a friend telling me um, just in a very like deliberate way she was like by the way Holly just so you know, we're not going to love you any less if you don't get into drama school. It doesn't actually really matter to us whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah. I remember that even in itself being a radical thing to me because I was like, oh yeah, they don't care at all. You were thinking every, all love was conditional. Yes, yeah. I And I totally think that all the time still in a really yeah, yeah. Like, completely mistaken way. And, um, and it's like that about, I feel this, a similar way, is that it was actually like a really radical moment for me when I was like, oh yeah, as, uh, people... People don't hate me for being yeah. depressed. Like yeah, people yeah. really don't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think the the worst I get now is people don't quite understand and they want some kind of I don't know, almost diagram. You know. Yeah, and it doesn't follow their yeah. their particular sort yeah. of logical Yeah, ways of sort of seeing yeah. the world. So yeah, interesting. So uh, that sounds really positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um so what is the future for you? Just broadly, I mean, I'm so I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to start therapy hopefully quite soon. Yeah. Um, like focused, proper BPD therapy. Yeah. I imagine group therapy will happen. Yeah. I like like Ew, you were initially. Love it. <laughs> That's the thing. I, it was first suggested to me when I was about twenty-one. Yeah. And I went no fucking way. <laughs> like I was way too afraid of yeah. doing group therapy. Yeah. And I've kind of talked myself into it and I've gone, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. I know yeah. that I will eventually love it because that's what everyone else who has been through has told yeah, me that they yeah. are like, they dragged their heels at first, but now they love it. I think it is, I mean, it's all stuff that like fears that come from within. Like, I'm just really worried that I'll get there and people will be like, Holly's kind of the worst and we hate having her in this group therapy. <laughs> and, um, Almost like imposter syndrome. Yeah, you're, you're, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've managed to imposter syndrome my, my diagnosis. I don't, I don't belong here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I was actually told when I was 18 when I got the initial diagnosis in the two, two sessions of therapy that then immediately <sighs> got dropped. She said, I can't put you forward for treatment for BPD because everyone else is much worse than you are. I think essentially, yeah, she was like, it would freak you out to be in group therapy. For the listener at home, I'm shaking. Yes, he's had a, he's had a, really, a really strong physical reaction to that. Because weirdly, she was both kind of, not necessarily insulting me, but telling me I wasn't ill enough, and also insulting everyone else in that therapy group. This, and I this, thought that's a show of vast incompetence. This is the whole Goldilocks <laughs> thing about mental health services. Yeah. you either mad, too mad mm. or not mad enough. I've definitely been turned away from services for being too mad. Yeah, yeah. And also not mad enough. And yeah, it's not fun. No. And, and, uh, and then you stroke we get blamed mm -hmm. for weird behaviours that develop as a result of 
shit services. Oh, totally. And I think, in, in a sense, it was actually kind of not like it worked, but she essentially, so I was 18 when that happened, and it, it was kind of like she was going, we're going to let that cook for a few years. <laughs> and now, lo and behold, I'm, I'm ill enough to go to group therapy. Uh, Isn't that nice? I've made it. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm also even like more high functioning than ever. Yeah, yeah. And more self aware than ever when it comes to this. Yes. But I I can't imagine it wouldn't have helped me no. when I was eighteen. I agree. I, I do accept that it takes a long term commitment. And maybe when you're eighteen it isn't the best time when life's changing a lot and I wonder. I don't I I, I don't know. It, 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 I think that's an easy cop-out for services who... I'm just making excuses for them. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. want anyone to be angry at the end of the day. They didn't mean it. Yes. You are lovely, are you? and I love <laughs> you all, and you're, you're all yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want anyone to, anyone to think yeah. I'm angry at the NHS. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's, that's, that, that's pending. What about um, friends and work-wise? I mean, obviously there's a thing that you can't talk about regarding your work, but that it sounds like your, your professional life is beginning to... To take off. Yeah. Um, planning to do a lot more illustration. Um, you know, just shamelessly capitalise on my hobbies. Damn right. Yeah, as, yeah. as we all should. Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm really lucky because I'm, I'm freelance anyway in my, yeah. in my other job. So um, I'm just trying to find a balance between that. I think I'm quite worried and quite hesitant to go freelance completely at right, the moment. Right. Partially, I haven't built up enough, um, no. enough momentum there anyway on the illustration side yet. But also because... I really worry about how specifically freelancing with BPD would be. Sure, sure. Like, if I go through a long period of, of complete inertia, I'm, you know, that will, that will not pay the bills. Nothing for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's, uh, that's always a worry. Right, so, yeah, that, that sounds, uh, I don't know, tricky. Mm. Um, so, it was, it was funny when you, 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 you were talking about your illustrations and mm. we were looking at them we thought they were fabulous mm. and uh you you were saying that even though people are paying for them yes you still think they're lying to you look imposter syndrome is something <laughs> that you can apply to every area of your life don't be shy yes. <laughs> i genuinely so i've been drawing all my life and i only it was a genuine surprise to people who knew me at yes. a certain point when I turned around and went, I do illustration. And they were like, do you? Because you've never mentioned it. <laughs> I've been doing it in secret for my entire life. And um, uh, I thought people for the first couple of years were really seriously humouring me. Right. And it's only when people have started oh, to actually oh, pay oh, me. Oh, <laughs> she's done some drawings. I know. Yeah, like, oh, bless her. But like, also <laughs> I just thought like, oh, because I'm maybe not very confident as a person, they're probably just trying to make me feel better. Yeah, yeah. And it really it wasn't until like people who I, I didn't know were paying me to do stuff. Yeah, I was like, yeah. well, they, they don't owe me anything. Hold on a second. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Just, maybe it's going yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah. Which is lovely. But I, you know, now it feels silly to admit that because, you know. It doesn't, you know, it's, 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 it's a process. It's uh yeah. Would you have any advice to somebody who found themselves going to a psychiatrist mm. and getting that label? Well, I mean, if you're already at the psychiatrist stage, well or, done. Or me, or yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got there. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> you got it's half the so battle. What, I feel like. So what we're saying, part. we're at your GP then. So if you get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that get, just get it. For me personally, getting the diagnosis has been a huge part of the battle. Like, yeah. more than half the battle right. is just getting someone to 
sure. take you seriously. Um, I mean, I mean, I would say don't do either. Don't don't Google it. <laughs> No, <laughs> don't. Immediately, you're God's walking sake. on eggshells. You're, you're a psycho. Yeah, bitch. Yeah. God knows yeah. what else. And don't forget manipulative. Manipulative. Um, um, or I mean, emotional vampire was one I really liked. That sounds quite fun, though. I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Leaping around at night, just yeah. sucking the souls out of people. Yeah, and that explains why I lie in darkened rooms. Yeah, so that there makes we a lot are. Of sense. Do you hang um, from your feet at all? Um, no, because I'm too lazy to do that. Uh, the lazy vampire? Yeah. It's like, like the littlest hobo, isn't it? <laughs> I, can, I can see the children's programme now. That would be wonderful. Yeah. I would really like a depression-themed children's programme <laughs> called The Laziest Vampire. <laughs> it would be a really great way of getting the mental health conversation started Or sort of sip some music and then go, nah. <laughs> Telling so. Where is the lie? I mean... Um, so yeah, advice. Oh, I mean, I I wouldn't say I'm best I'm best yeah, but, to dispense advice. But, but you are but, yeah, a, 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 an expert with lived experience. Yeah, I I would just say, God, yeah, don't Google. Yeah. Tell. I mean, you don't have to tell people yet. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to talk about it if you don't want to. Make sure, but make sure you have some people who are in your corner, who yeah, are like yeah. on your team and who you know you can call, and even have it sort of pre-agreed. Just be like, hey, I might need to call you sometimes. I've had people being like, yeah, you like, you know, my phone is on loud for you yeah. at 2 a.m. It's all OK. Sure. And like, make sure you have those people. So what sounds like what you're saying there is, is plan for the crisis when you're not in the crisis. Always. Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't know. Because it turns out you're not great at taking care of yourself in a crisis. No, no. A lesson I must learn repeatedly. There's some, I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly getting to the point where we're nearly winding up and then I want to ask you something yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, there's a big push just now um, and I think schools don't know what to do with it, but mm. there's a lot of talk about uh, introducing mental health into education. Um, you, you have any thoughts on that at all? I think it's really important. But then my thoughts immediately went to um, <clears throat> how much like physical ailments are discussed at school. Yeah, yeah. I want, like... Knowing what my school... So just personally, my experience, knowing what my school was like when I was a teenager, yeah. especially, I wonder how helpful it would have been... To, I mean, I, I, if, maybe if you start at a really, really young age... Sure. ...and start <clears throat> making... I mean... Maybe it would be, maybe like even at primary school, kids know that yeah. if they like scrape their knee or something, they can go to the teacher. Sure. Maybe there should be the same sort of, like, you know, if you're feeling a bit sad, if it's okay, hurting. go and talk to someone yeah. about it. Yeah, like, and like maybe it needs to start very, very young, but I think it should start like preschool. I think it, there should always be like. Right, um, so. I think it, it goes deeper than education. Because, yeah, because the. Yeah, I, I, I agree, but the, the feeling is that the, the, the stigma is mm. massive. And I don't know where the stigma starts. Yeah. I think, I mean, I imagine it's statistically likely that every child, or not every child maybe, but a lot of children will grow up in a home where one or both of their parents will have suffered from yeah, some sort of yeah. mental health problem. Yeah. And, I mean, I not like I don't have children, obviously. I don't, like, I can't speak from any sort of experience. Sure, sure. But it seems like the way that kind of parenting is going, like the new trend is to 
be way more open emotionally with your children sure. and like how it's okay to let your children see you cry sometimes. It's yeah, really important yeah. for them to see you as people and not as opposed as this, to just like, uh, a label. Yeah. Mum, dad. Yeah. And I mean, from my own experience, I know how harmful it is to put people on pedestals. So maybe that should be yeah. discouraged from a really young yeah, age yeah. and um, you should be able to see your parents as people. And then maybe that would give you sort of a a better sort of, you know, you'd be better equipped to deal with them when your parents make mistakes. Yeah, everyone's yeah. parents make mistakes. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's. Like yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's a it's a great way to you know if it sort of becomes part of the soul of the country of the yeah. of all of us. Yeah. That that this is an okay. It's it's as perhaps as easy as you know, and it's very cliche, but. As easy as talking about physical health. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I wish it were. I wish it were on the same. I level. mean, that doesn't stop me wanting to strangle people when I talk about my mental health, and they, they yeah, you know, I talk about borderline personality disorder, and they'll say, "Hey, we've all got mental health." You think, where was the last time you, somebody came up to you and said, "I've got cancer," and you went, "Hey, we've all got physical health." Oh yeah. You'd punch them in the face, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be understandable. I think so. Uh, I suppose people are trying. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather people were trying. Yeah. I'd rather we were. I'm glad that we're past the like sweeping it under the rug, stiff upper lip. Phase. Yeah. It feels yeah. very much like we're nearly out of those woods, or at least most generations are. Yes. That's yes. great. Um, I mean, there was a there was a recent study which I felt showed how much we've come on. Mm. It was it was a study into. Um, young people, uh, loneliness. Yeah. I don't know if you came across it. Um, and the expectation was that older people would feel more lonely than younger people. Yeah. But from the study, it said that younger people felt more lonely than older people. But what the, I think they failed to realise what the study was actually saying was yeah. older people can't talk about feeling lonely. Yeah. <laughs> And younger people are going, well, actually, I'm happy to talk about that stuff. Yeah, and that's interesting as well, because I think I remember that study and I remember they blamed it on social media. Yes. They oh. were like, it's because they're all on Facebook. And you're like, actually, I not, not I don't have Facebook, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm active on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and especially yeah. on places like Instagram, there are like actually a lot of great little like pockets of community. Yes. Of people yes. reaching out to each other, especially talking about things like mental health. Yeah. I've spoken to a lot of different people about their mental health through the internet. Yeah, me too. Me and too. I um, always feel like it's always a lovely moment. I've never had like a negative experience with that. I've never right. received any judgment. I'm, I'm a big fan of social media. Yeah. And I think actually, I don't think you can just say like social media makes people lonely. I think it's I a think real it, old person's thing to yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think also... I guess it's just like a theory they're working on because social media hasn't been around long enough to know what, what long-term effects it has. It, we on had like, it with telly. And in years yeah. ago, people had it with books. Yeah. <laughs> and there was definitely a point when they were like, bronze. What's that doing? <laughs> the kids are all about bronze now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what's, wrong what's wrong with stone? Yeah, yeah God. Yeah, modern technology gone mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think yeah we'll suffer that for forever, yeah. I think. Yeah, but I, I mean I don't I think if social media is is presenting problems, it's it means that problems that existed for previous generations are just more on the surface than yes. they were before, and people are able to talk about them, which, which <clears throat> can't be a bad thing. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think I think it's ultimately a force for good. Yeah, uh, I think maybe going back to the. Um, teaching more about mental health um, from a young age at school. Yeah, I think maybe it's not even about. Uh, making people feel like they're meant to be like 
constantly like self-diagnosing or anything or yeah, giving them yeah. loads and loads of information on depression <clears> or anything. I think just basically like just slightly opening the door to that and giving people the language and just, I mean, yeah, I wonder yeah. what, like just very, very gently kind of leaving like, you know, saying if you want more information, yes, completely fine to ask. Yeah. Because I mean, there will be people who don't feel like they can talk about it at home. And getting teachers in the position not to be therapists, because mm. I think... You, you, you talk about mental health education and, and there's a lot of teachers out there going, don't you think I've got enough to do? Mm. Oh, God, totally, yeah. Don't, don't go to your teacher's kids. <laughs> but I actually, when um, one of the best counsellors I ever had when I was a teenager was yeah. my school counsellor. Right, And right. I think it's because there wasn't an expectation for any sort of complex therapy. Yeah, yeah. She, we both knew, <coughs> like, we both knew that she wasn't exactly the right person yeah, yeah. for me to be talking to with with my particular mental health what was her listening ear but yeah, yeah but she was it was great because she was at school i would see her every week yeah and it would yeah. just be like a little half hour catch up and yeah. it was very very nice to know there was somewhere like there was a little pocket of a little at school, safe yeah. place yeah yeah i i think you know if, if we can get to the stage where teachers are in a position to signpost you know say if you at school you break your leg yeah your teacher's not going to do surgery on you They'll take you to accident emergency mm. where, where people might know what they're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, same with your head. I'd like to think that they'd go, well, yeah, this is beyond my expertise. You yeah. need a proper person. My, uh, my experience at school with teachers and dealing <clears> with <throat> mental health problems was really, really split. I had, I had some really, really crap teachers right, right. I really didn't get along with. <clears throat> I had some amazing ones as well yeah. who like really took the time to check in with me. Sure, sure. Um, once they were aware that something was going on, and I was, and I think that is what got me through school. I think I honestly would have just stopped yeah, going yeah. in after a certain point. And, that, and that's lovely for teachers to hear, mm. I think, because there are a whole bunch of heroes out there. Oh just... yeah, yeah. I still think about, like, I still think regularly about a few of my teachers yeah, who yeah. were just, and who really did go out of their way as well. I had like one teacher who. Like, if I was having a tough day, I would just go and, like, sit in her room and have, like, a yeah. chat with her and eat all the leftover sweets from the French exchange. And, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just, like... Had, like They're you know, not going to eat her. themselves. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I had another one who knew, who was clearly aware that I... Because I couldn't... I managed to get through, I mean, however many years of schooling without ever really doing any homework. Right. Because I... Well, the second I got home, I was so unhappy that I just would do nothing. Right. And that was just a... That, persisted throughout my entire school career. It was just, I never did any homework. So I was just going to take some, how did you do that? It's fantastic. I don't know. I wish I knew. I yeah. wish I could somehow apply this to my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I really just, I managed to just wing it all the way through school and I never, I never turned in anything. And then I had teachers who were very aware of this. And like I had um, one teacher in particular who I still like, I mean, it, if I'm feeling particularly delicate, sometimes the memory of it will just bring me to tears because she just completely went out of her way. She was like, you know what? You come and stay after school. You need to write this essay. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do it at home because clearly you don't work at home. Right. So I would just stay after school like a couple of nights a week and just sit in her office. Right. And there'd always be like a little like lint chocolate bunny or something. Right. And she'd, she'd like given me a lift home a couple of times as well. What a and civilized was, way to I be. I know. Yeah. And I did all my best work in, yeah, in yeah. her office because I was yeah, doing it, you know. Yeah. And, um, but that was, like, obviously, I think she was the exception, I don't sure, think. Sure, sure. And I'm not saying that should be expected no, for any teachers no. either, because they shouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, but I do, I've had a few teachers like that who were just so, so, like, really went out of their way to make me it's feel... It's interesting, because, you know, it's like detention, but for people who want to do work, as opposed yeah. to people who've... Been, I went to normal detention, yeah. too. Good, good. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So it's a great place to be. Yeah. yeah. 
this is where you find your your your, um, your, your fellow creatures of the, similar to you. The there was it was not a um, there was no sort of sense of camaraderie in, in detention at my school. Really? Yeah. No. It was very depressing. It felt like you know going to jail that you 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 learnt tips of the trade of yeah of naughtiness. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, no. I found no one's no one else's naughtiness particularly inspiring. Uh, yeah. You were the queen of naughty, perhaps. Yeah, I think I was always there just for not doing my homework, I think. Right, like it, right. Did, it did catch up to me in some ways, but not in the ways that I actually ended up doing it. It was yeah, just, yeah. you know. Okay. Right, I, I'm, I'm going to wind up there. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. For being so open. <laughs> Except for the bit, obviously, that I'm going to lob out. Yeah, yeah. And, when I yeah. talked about my, like... Yeah. 12 fingers and yeah <laughs> that was very unusual yeah. yeah we didn't even need to talk about them no we didn't no <laughs> yes yes but, but, but there is a future for you in the circus which yes, is nice thank god <laughs> brilliant to talk to you thank okay. you very much thanks bye. for having me bye just now <laughs> That's it from Walking Mile just now. A huge thank you to Holly. Openness and honesty eloquently delivered. What's not to like? We'll be catching up with her again in a year or so. I'll keep you posted. Remember, you can contact me on 07535035909 or email me at hello at letswalkamile.org or follow me on Twitter at UK. And if you have the Anchor.fm app, you can leave audio messages that I can play in the next episode. On that very topic, I have a whole bunch of interesting folk lined up for the next few podcasts. I'm really looking forward to sharing their stories. Until the next time, I've been Chris Young, and you've been rather fabulous. Walk a mile. (laughs) 